Bring it in. Read Option Podcast back, getting you ready for week 17 of the NFL season. Uh, flying solo again today. It's tough with the holidays. Uh, right now, we have Scotty's up in Philly for a wedding. I just drove back from Philly yesterday. Today is Friday morning. At the time of recording this, uh, Vito's working, Scotty's out of town. So you're just getting me again this week. I hope everyone's okay with that. I know. I know we like it when the whole crew's around, but sometimes, you know, got to go solo just to make sure we get our picks and everything out to you guys. Uh, Scotty has all of his picks in for this game, uh, for this week. Vito still waiting on his picks. He'll get them in by Sunday. I have my picks in, so we're going to rip through these, get you guys on your way to the weekend, get you guys some winners, and I'm excited here. So uh, we started off last night, uh, Jets at Browns. The Browns, an absolute ass-kicking um, the Browns, and this was that Amari Cooper too, uh, continuing to look phenomenal with Joe uh, Joe Flacco. Saw a, an insane stat: Joe Flacco is four passing touchdowns away from surpassing Deshaun Watson on the Browns' all-time touchdown pass list. Two hundred plus million dollars, fully guaranteed. Only to have Joe Flacco come in off the couch and uh, in about six, five games, I think this is his fifth game, uh, be 10 times the quarterback Deshaun Watson has been for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, it's actually been very fun to watch. And look, I like the Browns as as a as a fan. Like when I said this on the pod four, and my best friends is a Browns fan. I like rooting for the Browns. The Deshaun Watson thing made me not want to root for the Browns. I've said a lot of harsh shit about the Browns. I hate Deshaun Watson. I hate that they gave him the money. I think it's insane that he's allowed to be in the NFL, that 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 we blackballed other people from the NFL, but not Deshaun Watson. And uh, so when I see Joe Flacco falling out for the Browns and Deshaun Watson's not playing, I'm like, yeah, I can get behind this team. I like this. I, I can root for the Browns when Deshaun Watson's not playing quarterback. Uh, and I like seeing Joe Flacco come into this. And I'll tell you what, the defense, we've said it all year, is incredible. They have been so good the entire season, and now the Browns have 11 wins. Uh, it's it's incredible. It, it really is. This this season has been up and down. The Schefter tweet I think most people saw last night, uh, they're the first team in NFL history to make the playoffs having four different starting quarterbacks. You had Deshaun, you had uh, DTR, Flacco, and who's the fourth one? Oh, now this is gonna this is gonna drive me nuts. Now I gotta look up the Browns quarterbacks. Why can't I think of this? Oh, we're doing some live research. Who who is the fourth quarterback? Oh my god. This is this is driving me nuts. Normally I just have ESPN up and I can do that, but uh oh, and yeah, PJ Walker. Duh. Yeah, so PJ Walker, DTR, Flacco. And Deshaun Watson. So very, very fun to see um, Flacco going on this tear. And they look awesome. They, they said they won last night. Uh, another ass-kicking. Scary moment with Elijah Moore. Pairs um, up to him. Hope he's doing okay. That was that was a freaky situation. Hit his head hard. It wasn't a nasty hit or anything. It was just one of those kind of freak plays where I think it was C.J. Mosley caught him from behind, kind of drove him into the ground a little bit. And, uh, yeah, he started having a seizure on the field. It was It was – it's the, it's the ups and downs of football you know we love this sport people love the sport but then you have these scary moments that kind of set you back and you're like oh yeah you know i mean obviously last year was the epitome of that with tamar hamlin but um this is the first time this year that we really had a moment that came across as as, as scary as it did but the browns cruise to a uh a big time win over the new york jets uh and and we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago the jets defense as awesome as it is definitely has i don't want to say mailed it in but they're in they're in like hey let's try no one get hurt you know let's go out there let's play hard um but you know when you don't have that carrot on the end of the string like hey we're gonna go try to make win the super bowl make make the playoffs do whatever um it's almost impossible human nature standpoint to still come out and do it unless you're trying to play spoiler uh and you're playing a big time rival in this case jets and browns not really much of a rivalry there and 
know, offensively with Zach Wilson and and what we know with that offense, there's just there's nothing you can really do. So uh, shout out to the Cleveland Browns. They uh, clinch a playoff berth. They're likely to end up with a five seed in the AFC, which is pretty wild. Um, especially just considering like where we thought this team could go with the with the quarterback changes and everything one after another. It it's pretty amazing. Uh, as of right now, they are the five seed. Uh, the Bills theoretically can win out, and then at that point, I don't know what the head to head would be. Um, the Bills are at nine and six, so if the Browns dropped a game and the Bills went out, then it's very possible the Bills could get the five seed. But right now, it looks like the, your, the Cleveland Browns are going to be your five seed in the AFC playoffs. And um, I mean, who would have thought the, the Browns having a better record than the Kansas Kansas City Chiefs, the Jags, um, the Bills going into the season? Uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, they're only one win off from the from the Ravens, and if the Ravens drop this one to Miami in uh, in week sixteen or week seventeen, um, you know, then all of a sudden that opens up a door where Cleveland could theoretically win the AFC East. Uh, they do have a t- tied head to head, but the the best outcome would be the Ravens dropping the last two games. I think it still would be a stretch, um, but I do think. Do you think the change uh, is still the change there at the top of the AFC uh, North is still possible? But I think the Ravens are are, are going to be good there. The Ravens have Miami, and then they have Pittsburgh. Which, I mean, hey, they lost to Pittsburgh earlier in the year, and the Pitt Steelers are going to have something to play for um, as they're on the outside looking in. They're the nine seed as it stands today. But yeah, the Cleveland Browns found their way into the postseason. Let's jump into our games though for uh, this weekend. Lots of fun games, uh, and I, I, you know what, I we have a couple of Saturday games. Well, we have a Saturday game, I should say, Saturday night. Really good primetime game. Um, everything else will be on New Year's Eve. There's gonna be so much football this weekend with the college football playoff, because um, I believe the playoff is all on Sunday night. So uh, I will, I will, I'll put my picks in here. I don't think Scotty added. Uh, no, he did put those picks in. Out of boy. Um, so we will do our picks for the college football playoff on this pod as well. Um, but there's just so much football, <laughs> just so, so, so much football. And, uh, this is, it, it's kind of that last time of year, you know, this is where we kind of get to like, all right, we are, we are slowly getting to the end. And, uh, so Jan- oh, January 1st, so Monday is when we have the college football playoff games. Um, so by the next time we record those picks, we'll, those games won't be played yet, but we do have New Year's Six Bowls on Saturday, Ole Miss, Penn State, Auburn, and Maryland, uh, Georgia, Florida State. Those are uh, a few of those. And then on uh, January 1st, we have Iowa, Tennessee, and then, of course, we have uh, Liberty and Oregon as well. And then we have the big boys, Alabama, Michigan, and Texas and Washington. So very excited to dive into those games. And uh yeah, just get just it's it's you know especially on Monday you know everyone's gonna have to go back to work the next day. It's kind of a nice like hey, it's your last little bit of your winter break when people are kind of working, not working. You know, people are going home for the holidays. This is your opportunity to uh, to get to kind of soak in the last little bit of that. I know it is for me, and I'm sure for many of you out there listening as well. Uh, but let's hop into the games for this weekend. Saturday, uh, we have I will say Sunday too. The NFL kind of fucked us. We have 10 one o'clock games on on Sunday, which is just way too many games, right? We had everything so spread out around the holidays that it was like football constantly, and now it's like we're going to condense 10 games. Like they don't have an what would be a deca box? I don't think they red zone can do a deca box, right? Because I guess that would be right for a 10 a 10 game box. Uh, not enough team or too many teams to even be able to do an octo box. I don't know what red zone is going to look like come Sunday at 1 PM uh, East coast time, but uh, it'll be fun still. It, it's, it's football. It's we got two more weeks left. So uh, enjoy it. And there's still a lot of moving parts that can uh, kind of shake out here as, as we go. Um, the NFL does feel so wide open this year. And, and I've talked about in the past, about the idea of parody and, and it feels like this season has had a ton of it this year, which Overall, I think is a really good thing. I think it makes for a much more entertaining product to have as many potential games and, and and teams that it feels like any any week any team can really win. And we always say any given Sunday, but this year feels like any given Sunday on steroids, you know, because there, there's not a team that you fully 100% trust top to bottom. You know, I, I thought that was San Francisco, and then we saw what happened in that game. 
against Baltimore. And Baltimore's had a couple sleepers this year too, right? You know, they had the game against Pittsburgh. They had the game against um, uh, against San Francisco, obviously. And then they had the game against the Colts. Where you're like, what is happening with this team where they're just losing some of these games inexplicably? Uh, nonetheless, they do sit at the top of the leaderboard, uh, 12 and three as it stands right now, which, um, you know, they, they, they are the front runners. I, I think you have to say they're the front runners, uh, mainly just because of what we just saw last week, but either way, we are set up for a very, very fun finish to the, uh, to the NFL season this year. So Saturday we'll start off. Lions at Cowboys. Cowboys undefeated at home. And the Dolphins, or sorry, and the Ravens, Lions, let's try that one more time. The Lions coming off the biggest win they've had as a franchise, arguably ever, like in terms of what it meant, like winning, locking in the NFC North for the first time since the NFC North exists. I'm curious if this will end up being a letdown spot for the Lions. I don't think it will but at the same time, the, the Cowboys have been so good at home, like so good. And this line opening up at five and a half, it feels a little unfair because of the way we look at the Lions. But the issues with the Lions have been there all year, right? They, they, it's it, the entire season. It's been the offense is really good. They've had a couple of clunkers and those are the games that they've lost. But other than that, the offense has been really, really good all season long. And I want to buy in and say, well, the defense is coming along. They've gotten there. You know, Justin Houston's coming back soon. CJ Garner Johnson's coming back soon. He hasn't played all year. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Cowboys are pissed about what happened. This team has been unbelievable at home. The Cowboys are a really, really, really good football team. I, I, I still think they are. Now, look, do I think that they're good enough to beat San Francisco? No. Do I think they're good enough to beat Baltimore? No. But there is a world, and I said this on on Tuesday's pod or Wednesday's pod, there is a world where the Cowboys make the Super Bowl, and it wouldn't completely shock me. Um, that being said, if they got there, I don't think they beat one of those top teams in the AFC, whether it's the Dolphins or whether it's the Bills, right? Uh, and definitely not the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I don't think they could beat Cleveland either. Uh, the good news for the Cowboys is that you do get this game at home. Uh, the bad news for the Cowboys is even if you win this game, the Eagles have the Cardinals and the Giants, which likely means now granted with this Eagles team, you can't mark anything in, but it does mean that it's likely that the Eagles end up with the two seed and would get the home field advantage over the Cowboys, which would mean the Cowboys as a wildcard team would have to travel on, on the road and their, their path to the Super Bowl would be on the road, which for the Cowboys as a team that has a losing record on the road right now, that's not a good sign. Um, however, I do think the Cowboys win this game. I think they win it pretty, win it pretty handily. I think this is, we, we jump back and we go, Oh, the Cowboys, they're the, there they are again. And every ESPN show is running through it all week. You know, the, the first week of the new year, get up and first take, they're just talking nothing but Cowboys. I think the Cowboys win this game by at least a touchdown. So, uh, I'm going to take the Cowboys here minus five and a half. Uh, up next, we have the Patriots at the Bills. The Bills are a 13-point favorite. That game against the Chargers was really, really gross and ugly. And we didn't talk about it really on, on Wednesday's pod. But that's a game that was really disappointing, right? Like you have Easton Stick, you have a fired head coach, you have a team that's reeling. Maybe they just hated Brandon Staley that much. Right. And and this was their first opportunity. And the Bills have been susceptible to these games where they just aren't finishing. Right. They're just not like the Bills look like they should be great. And then they just have these weeks where they don't show up. Now, it's a good sign that in, in one of those weeks, they still find a way to win the football game. That is still a good sign. I think that that is um, a positive overall for the Buffalo Bills. But now you're a 13 point favorite against a division rival at home. The Patriots are playing with house money. If Belichick leaves, he's kind of doing doing the New England Patriots dirty by ruining their draft pick, winning that game on Sunday against uh, uh, against the uh, the Denver Broncos, right? Like that was kind of like, damn! All of a sudden, the Patriots go from being locked in as the second overall pick to now they're the third overall pick. And I think there's a chance, especially on how these last couple games go, that the Patriots, if they if they beat the Jets in Week 18. Um, as as could be a potential swan song for Belichick. Um, 
that could, you know, completely fuck over the Patriots draft stock if he is on the way out. However, if we if we take that whole potential, you know, maybe kind of situation out of the equation and we just look about what the Patriots have been doing re- recently, their defense has been really good. Like really good. Like one of the best defenses in the NFL over the last few weeks. The Bills offense, they've been really good at running the football. I don't think they're going to be able to just continually run the football against the Patriots in this game. And I think the Patriots are going to have to, uh, the Bills are going to have to throw the ball to win this game. And definitely they're going to have to do it to win this game big. I might end up regretting it, but I'm going to take the Patriots here to cover plus 13. It's a lot of points. And I there, there's a world where, look, the Bills bounce back and they just absolutely demolish the Patriots in this game. They get back to the way that they looked a couple weeks ago. I just, I think this Patriots defense has been playing really, really well. And I think the one difference we've seen in those games where it was like, man, the Bills are back. Look at them move the football. A lot of that came from them, their ability to run the ball consistently. And I don't think the Patriots are going to let them do that. I think the Patriots are going to do a good job against the run. And I think the Bills are going to have to throw the ball a ton, which could potentially lead to interceptions, turnovers. Uh, or it could also lead to Josh Allen throwing for 400 yards and and four touchdowns, and they win this game by by 20. You know that that's very possible. I don't think that happens though. I think the Patriots' defense is too good, so I am going to take the Pats plus 13 in this one. Don't love it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, all right, up next, Falcons at Bears. Chicago. That defense has been really good. Uh, they're running the ball efficiently, um, and and Justin Herbert has been really really good. Um, I've been excited watching Justin Fields, and I'll say this, as long as the Panthers continue to lose out, even though Justin Fields looks really good, you still draft Caleb Williams. You do. And, and we're going to have that debate all into the offseason, right? Like Up until the draft, we're going to talk about it a million times. We're going to be sick of talking about it by the time you know we actually get there. If I'm Chicago, Justin Fields has been great. Him playing well is gonna, going to be enough to essentially justify like, Hey, if we want to trade this guy, he's going to be worth a second or third round pick. And if you're the bears, you have a lot of holes you need to fill. You have a bunch of draft capital you got from the trade last year. And this is an opportunity for you to go out and get a potential generational quarterback. And for as good as Justin Fields has been, there's still a lot of development there, right? Like Caleb Williams is going to take development, but the upside is unquestionably higher with Caleb Williams. And as as a talent, what Caleb Williams can do for you is is not. It, there's no one else in the draft. There's no one since Patrick Mahomes who can do the things that Caleb Williams can do. And if you're Chicago, you can't pass on that guy. So your hope here, if you're a Bears fan, is Justin Fields continues to play really really good football. You can trade him to a team like I don't know the team they're playing this week, the Atlanta Falcons, who need a quarterback. Um, and and Heineke was good for them, but the Bears' defense has been good. Uh, Eberflus has, has, is a defensive guy. He's he's seemingly and and we all we talked about the Montez sweat trade and thought, oh, you know, it'd be nice to have a guy like that come around. I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm impressed with what this defense has looked like, and I think a lot of it comes from the fact that they've been able to pressure the quarterback now. And Montez sweat is the biggest reason why. You know, we we thought it was kind of like an afterthought trade. Like, oh, go go get a nice piece middle of the season, sign to an extension, it'll be a part of your team moving forward. Now, nah, man, Montez Sweat is is really good player. I think he's going to continue to be a good player, and I think he's the the way this defense is playing right now. T.J. Edwards in the middle. Um, you know, they have a uh, was a Tremaine Edmonds there as well in the middle. They they have pieces. They're really good on the outside. I think the Falcons struggle in this one, and and look, the Bears have looked like a legitimately good football team for the last two to three weeks. And I think that trend continues, especially at home, Tyler Heineke and uh, out in the, uh, in the cold. I like the bears here. So I'm going to take the bears minus three um, right now. I'm actually cop <laughs> so far. I'm, I'm in lockstep with what Scotty's picks were for the, uh, for the games, but uh, yeah, we will see. All right. Up next Raiders at Colts. The, the, Jeff Saturday bowl all over again. Um, this one's odd. Cause like the Colts, as of right now, if you look at where the playoffs thing, the Colts are the seven seed. All right. So they control their destiny. They're eight and seven. The Texans are eight and seven. The Steelers are eight and seven. 
This, the Bengals are eight and seven, and then you have the Raiders at, and Broncos at seven and eight. All those teams are still alive. The Raiders have a chance to get back into the postseason here. And if they win this game, then they would leapfrog the Colts in the standings. The Texans are going to get C.J. Stroud back. Who knows what we're going to see with the Steelers after the Mason Rudolph explosion, if that's going to be a thing now or if that's a one-off game. Uh, and the Bengals are still hanging around there somehow. They need to win out. They get to 10-7. and seven. I mean, one of these teams is going to end up getting to 10-7. and seven. And it very well could be the Colts. Now, the Colts have been on a bit of a slide here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I like this Colts team. I've liked them all year. I like Shane Steichen. Um, but, you know, the last few – look, they, they did look really good against the Steelers, but they got shit-pumped by the uh, Bengals. Come around, they win that game against the Steelers. Then they lose to the Falcons last week and get shit-pumped. It feels like every time they've lost a game this year, they had that one little three-game stretch, but they've turned around. Like, they lost the game to Jackson really bad, and then they almost beat the Browns 38-39. They lost that game 39-38, but that was that crazy game back in, like, October. Um, The Saints, they lost that game, and then they rattled off those four straight wins. Now, granted, those wins were against Carolina, New England, Tampa Bay, and Tennessee, but that Tampa Bay win is pretty impressive. The Raiders defensively have been really, really good this season. And uh, especially under Antonio Pierce, that defensive line is playing insanely physical. The question is, can the Colts hold up? Now, the one thing the Colts will do that the Chiefs struggled with in that game on Christmas is the Colts will run the ball. And they have a fully healthy Jonathan Taylor right now. And I think Zach Moss comes back this week. He was out last week. But you have Jonathan Taylor. I think the Colts come into this game, run the ball a lot. Uh, A three and a half point spread is a lot, though. I, I feel like this game's going to be close. I just I I believe in the Colts. I've been a Colts guy all season, so I'm going to continue to ride with the Colts. I think this is the bounce back game for them. They know that hey, if we win this game, their odds of making the playoffs jump up dramatically. So if they win that game, I'm all in on the Colts. So um, I'm going to take the Colts minus three and a half in this one. All right, up next, Rams minus five and a half at New York, playing on the MetLife turf. I hate this. Um, just so everyone knows, Scotty locked in the Browns, the Rams, and the Dolphins in this week. I really kind of want to lock in the Rams. I'm not going to lie. I do. And I don't know how much of last week with what we saw from the Giants was the Eagles just being a weird, sorry organization, like in in the way that they've they've been playing the last few weeks and just kind of letting off the gas. But you saw how dominant the Eagles were in the first half, and a lot of it had to do with the running game. And Kyron Williams has been uh, one of my favorite players to watch this whole season, even though, uh, you know, I, I biased fantasy pickup of the year for sure. I, I just this Giants team is weird. And now you get Terod Taylor, who's going to be in there for the rest of the season with my uh, Tommy DeVito on the bench. I feel like the Rams have gotten hot at the right time. And even though the Eagles did kind of shit the bed there in the second half, they were up 20 to three and they weren't even playing the cleanest. They weren't playing particularly clean football and the second half got away from them. And the Eagles still would have covered this five and a half point spread. I think the Rams are playing a lot better than the Eagles. So I'm going to stay uh, and, and, and copy Scotty here. Um, I'm going to take the Rams minus four and five and a half. And that is going to be my first lock of the week. All right. Up next Cardinals at Eagles. Eagles 11-point favorites here at home against the Arizona Cardinals. It's the same thing I said last week. The Eagles shouldn't be uh, double-digit favorites right now with the way that they're playing. Um, I'm hoping that we see a bounce back here. I'm hoping that they, you know, whatever these issues are, like they snap out of it. It's unlikely to happen, and I think there's a pretty good chance that the Cardinals – could could very easily not only cover, but could probably win this game. Mobile quarterback and Kyler. I mean, they weren't able the, the defensive line wasn't able to bring down Tommy DeVito, let alone Kyler Murray. Um the secondary's banged up. I think Darius Slay's coming back in this game. I think the Eagles are getting a little bit healthier, but the linebacking room is still a mess. And right now you can run on this Eagles team. And uh Shaq Leonard did look really good last week. I mean, if if there's a bright spot from the Eagles win. It was DeAndre Swift and Shaq Leonard. Um, but the rest of it, I I, I just don't know. Um, 
I really don't want to take the Eagles at minus 11. I really don't. Scotty took the Cardinals. This is why I wish I had the boys here to kind of talk through it. I'm going to take the Eagles. I am. And I think this is going to be the fool's gold game. I think this is a game where everyone goes, okay, look, see, they fixed all the problems. They won by 14. They won, they won big. And it's not actually going to be the case. Uh, I think this is the fool's gold game. And I think the Eagles win big. I think it's at least two touchdowns. So I'm going to take the Eagles knowing that it very easily could end up being a fake result. And it's not actually going to mean anything. But for the amount of talent the Eagles have and the fact that the Cardinals can't stop the run at all, I, I think the Eagles are going to ground and pound. I think they're going to control the clock. I think hopefully this game opens things like opens Jalen's eyes a little bit so we can actually see the field. I hope they start attacking the middle of the field more because you can do that through the air and on the ground against this Cardinals team. And I just got to hope that Kyler Murray doesn't do some random Kyler Murray shit. And I keep saying, oh, yeah, like we just haven't heard anything from Kyler Murray other than like one deep ball touchdown to Marquise Brown uh, at one point. Now, granted, we haven't talked much about the Cardinals at all this year because the Cardinals are a really bad football team. But we just haven't heard anything from Kyler Murray. They're, 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 Kyler Murray always has like that one Kyler Murray moment game where he's running around doing crazy shit. And I feel like that could very easily happen in this game and the Eagles could lose. Which... If they do, put me out of my fucking misery at this point. Like I, <laughs> I, it's crazy the Eagles are an eleven four football team, and I feel as pessimistic about them as I do. Um, but it's hard not to when you when when you see the, the way this team interacts. When you see, you know, AJ Brown. Not only did he not talk after the game last week, but he also didn't talk uh, this week to the media. It's it's this is this is bad. And and Vito can tell me I'm overreacting all I want, but it's it's not. It's there's there's some serious culture shit going on in that locker room that is bad. And I think they've lost faith in Jalen. I think they've as I think some of the players have lost some faith in Jalen. And I think a lot of the team has lost faith in the coaching staff. Um and and it just hasn't changed. It's it feels so stubborn. It's how many times can you bang your head against the same wall over and over again? expecting a different result it's just not nothing changes so i hope i hope that happens um but i i we'll see eagles win by two touchdowns this week po- positivity we're gonna be optimistic um as disingenuous as the optimism might be uh all right up next saints at bucks the bucks are a two and a half point favorite in this game this totally feels like the letdown spot the Bucs have been playing so well. Anytime a team in the a- NFC South has started playing well consistently after, over a couple of games, we saw it with um, Tampa Bay earlier in the season. We saw it with New Orleans at one point this season. We saw it with Atlanta at one point this season where they put together a couple of wins. And you're like, ooh, this is starting to look good. They're running the football, playing good defense, blah, blah, blah. All the same crap that we've been saying over and over again. The Bucs minus two and a half points here is scary. Now, it's I, I heard it's the first Saints outdoors game since October 8th, which is kind of wild. <laughs> but they're also playing in Tampa Bay. It's not like they're going up to, you know, Green Bay or Chicago or playing somewhere that's going to be really, really cold. I really want to take the Bucks. I do. I really want to take the Bucs. Um, I'm just that. And that's the thing is it's, it's, a, it's a total non-statistical. There's no number. There's no film. There's nothing you can say. It's just like that. Everyone sees that line. Everyone wants to go in the Bucks, And, of course, the Saints win that game, right? It's that that stupid gambler's mentality. But I'm going to take the Bucs because I do think that they figured it out. I think Baker's playing really good football. And, and I also don't think that the Saints are that good defensively. Like, they went through that stretch early in the season where they were, like, scoring touchdowns defensively and getting home to the quarterback a ton, picking, getting tons of turnovers. That hasn't been the case for, like, eight or nine weeks. Uh, this defense has gotten lit up a bunch this season. And with the way that the Bucs have been playing, I think it continues here. And I think the Bucs can sniff it, right? They, it's right there. They win this game. They're two games above 500 at that point, right? Right now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are eight and seven. They win this game. They're nine and seven. They win their last one. Ten and seven seals it. You're done, man. You're in. You know, it's it's your spot. And I, I think there's a, a good chance we see Tampa Bay do that this week. Um they're favorites for a reason because they're really – I think they're a good football team, just plain and simple. I think they're a good, good football team. I just hope this isn't the letdown spot that we see, and Baker has had that throughout his career, and this whole division has done that all season. So I'm rolling with Tampa Bay, not locking it in, 
but I am going to keep them as my pick. Uh, all right, up next, Niners minus 12 and a half at the Commanders. I am going to lock this one in. Niners minus 12 and a half, easy, easy lock. I mean, look, I, I know Sunday or Monday night looked really bad. Everyone knows Monday night looked really bad. This Niners team is still my favorite team in the NFL. I I know that Ravens defense is really nasty. I know that they, they're physical and strong. They tackle well, all that stuff. Lamar's been awesome. I still think the Niners are the best team in football. Um, like just me personally, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of like the the college football playoff debate. You know, it's like it's like by if if there's the college football playoff was going on right now, like you would have to make the Baltimore Ravens the one seed and you would make the, the Niners the two seed because of the head-to-head matchup. But I still think the Niners are a better football team. I think the Niners are phenomenal. And I think this is like, hey, we got embarrassed. We got punched in the mouth. I think they're fucking pissed. And I think they come out and they win huge in this game. I think McCaffrey goes for a million yards. The only thing that holds them up is that turf at FedEx Field, man. If that turf comes out and gets you, yeah, that's going to – you know, let's just hope that no, it's just hope that no one on the Niners gets hurt, right? They don't want to lose Debo, they don't lose McCaffrey, they don't lose any of those guys. But that would be the biggest concern I'd have if I'm a Niners fan going into this game is not potentially losing or not potentially not covering the spread. It's can we get all of our guys off that field after this game healthy? Um, I know Trent Williams is a little bit banged up. I think he's projected to play in this game. Um, I can actually pull that up right now, see if with the most recent data. Or, uh, information he's listed as questionable right now Debo's also listed as questionable um they're they're a little banged up right Armstead Hargrave they, they have some guys who are on the report I don't think it's gonna matter though um if I'm being totally honest like I think if Trent Williams plays in this game they're fine if they don't yeah okay 12 and a half feels like a high number um Debo I think he's gonna play in this game if he doesn't eh, it hurts a little bit but I think he'll be okay Armstead Hargrave, they just signed Sebastian Joseph Day, which was a great midseason pickup after he got cut by the Chargers, just to add depth to that interior defensive line. Um, I still think even with those guys, I think McCaffrey's going to be able to go off. Kittle's been awesome. You still have Ayuk. And this commander's defense is awful. Like, they're they're just flat out awful. I mean, the Jets put up how many points against them, <laughs> right? Like, uh, I, have, I have it right here. The Jets, uh, yeah, they gave up 30 points to the New York Jets. 30 points. Like, come on. 12 and a half. Even without Trent Williams. I this this is Niners all the way. And uh I'm going to I'm gonna roll with the Niners here. Um and I'm locking them in my second lock of the week. San Francisco 49ers minus 12 and a half. All right, up next, Panthers at Jags. The Jags are six and a half point favorites here. And the Panthers have been frisky the last couple of weeks. They almost came back and stole that game on Christmas Eve from the Packers. Bryce Young with some really impressive throws, right? This is that was the first time this year where you, if you're a Panthers fan, you go, that's why we drafted this guy. And I think it was always going to take some time with Bryce Young because of the size, because of how bad the offensive line is, because of the lack of talent and playing against a bad defense in the Packers. <laughs> no question that helps. But those were the throws, the anticipation throws, um, the, the big time plays. That that's the stuff we saw at Alabama, and I think it was always going to take a bit of an adjustment for Bryce Young. And that game alone is enough for you as a Panthers fan to go into next year being like, "There's something there. There's something there. We just need to go in, invest in the offseason. We don't have the number one overall pick. We gave a bunch of assets, but we have money to spend. You know, Tepper's going to go out and want to spend a bunch of money because he doesn't like the fact that this is where they're at right now." Um, and I think I think the future is is bright for the Panthers. Well, relatively light. There's at least a light for the Panthers down at the end of the tunnel. Six and a half points for the Jags. The Jags have looked really bad. Um, I believe Trevor Lawrence is playing. He's listed as questionable. Um, I think he cleared concussion protocol. Uh, the Jags have been really bad, um, like really bad, and I. I think you want him to, you know, you, you in a world that, you know, again, and it's not just concussion protocol. It's the shoulder after last week. I forgot about that. Um, Trevor Lawrence is playing really banged up right now, but you have to think from just a talent standpoint that they can do more than the, the Panthers can. Right. Uh, I, mm, this is a tough one. 
I mean, they won that game against the Falcons. Oh my God, nine to nine to seven. That game was terrible. How many times this year do you think the the Panthers have scored over twenty points? Let's count it out. There's one, two, three, three times. Three times all season, the Panthers have scored over twenty points. That's bad. And say what you will about the Jags, I do. I don't think the Jags are as bad of a football team as they've looked. Um, and they've lost four in a row. That the game against Cincinnati, the game against Cleveland, the Baltimore game was really bad, and the game last week looked really bad. I'm gonna roll with the Jags here. I, the Jags are like flirting with potentially missing the playoffs. Like I, that's it. Sounds crazy to say, but right now the Jags sit at uh, eight and seven. They have the same record as the Colts, as the Texans. I mean, uh, Steelers, Bengals. Like there is a world where the Jags don't make the playoffs. They have not clinched it yet. You can say the same thing about Kansas City, but it's much more likely that Kansas City is going to make the playoffs than Jacksonville. They win this game here. I think they do. I think they win it, and I think they win it pretty big. I, I'm going to take the Jags. I don't feel great about it. Um, this has been a rough go for Jags fans, um, but I'm going to I'm going to roll with the Jags on this one. All right. Up next, the game of the week, and boldly, Scotty has actually locked his choice in for this one. And Dolphins at Ravens. Ravens are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. And Scotty locked in the Miami Dolphins. Um, I don't know if I would put a lock on this one. And I wish he was on because I want to know his rationale for it really badly. This game's really interesting, right? Because I think the Ravens coming off that big-time win, you know, the idea of a potential letdown letdown game makes sense, right? I don't think that's how this team operates, though. I don't think like, the Lamar Jackson press conference stuff and, and post-game stuff and Miss Lisa and all that, all that shit that we love from Lamar, this team feels locked in. Like, they, they really do. I don't think it's going to – and I think the biggest difference here is the physicality that the Ravens play with is just that much more than any other team in the league. It's not like it's like they play physical and, you know, everyone else. It's like they, they're not so much more physical. It's not that the Dolphins can't play physically. It's just that the Ravens are on another level than anyone else in the league right now. I feel like my gut instinct – is that the Ravens are just the better football team. But this line being at three and a half is a little scary because I feel like it's going to come down to like a field goal. I feel like it very easily could. Jalen Waddle's not playing in this game, so that's going to hurt the the overall offense for the, for the Dolphins here. But you still have Tyreek. And for as good as Kyle Hamilton is, and I said this on Wednesday, no one can cover Tyreek Hill for an entire game. You know, he's going to have his. I go back to the game against Philly because that game by Philly was the best game they played all year. And it was the game they were the most physical. They got after the quarterback. They they fucked up plays in the backfield over and over again for the Dolphins. And I feel like that's what we're going to see here with the Ravens. I think the Ravens up front are really, really nasty. I think the linebacking room is the massive difference maker here. And I think the biggest problem is I think the Dolphins are going to struggle to run the football. And because at that time when the Eagles and Dolphins played, the Eagles were the number one run run defense team in the league. And I think the Eagles were able to stop the running game and basically make it all on Tua. And we saw a little bit of that in that game against um, the, the Cowboys, too, with the Dolphins. I really think, my heart of hearts, I think the Ravens are just a better football team. I, I think they win this. I don't think it's a blowout, but I think defensively, Tyreek's going to have his, you know, eight or nine catches for a hundred yards and a touchdown, but he had that in the game against Philly too. And they still got smashed. I think the Ravens are just too, too overall physical, particularly at the linebacking spot. Cause I think they're going to be able to stop the run. And if you can stop the run and force the dolphins to be one dimensional, then you're like, Hey, we'll, we'll take Tua versus us. And look, if they had waddle and it was, Waddle and Tyreek and still thinking they can stop the run, I probably would lean Miami. But you're not as afraid up there when it's, when it's Cedric Wilson or Braxton Berrios getting open. 
Um, not to say those guys aren't good players, like they are. Like they, they they they're serviceable for sure. Cedric Wilson's a, a, a very good player. Um, but not having a difference maker like Waddle, and now it's like, all right, well, we know we got to stop Tyreek or limit him as much as we can. The rest of it, it's going to be Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen playing downhill, getting a chance to stop the run. Um, but I think the offensive line for for Miami is going to be a bit of an issue here. The defense for Miami has played really well. I think Van Ginkle is actually one of those really cool edge rusher guys where he's so athletic and he flies around so much that he could absolutely get in the lap of uh, of Lamar. And, you know, if you had a guy like Jalen Phillips here, Christian Wilkins is awesome too. So you have some stuff in the interior part, but I mean, San Francisco has more dudes than anybody, you know, especially on the defense side of the ball. And it didn't matter. The offense still cruised. The question is, and this is the big question. I think if, if you're betting on the dolphins and betting on a, seeing a different result with a good team playing Baltimore, like, we saw last week is that I don't think two is going to throw five interceptions and, and turn the ball over a ton, but it may only need to be one or two, you know, my just the turnover battle is going to be the big thing here. And the Ravens have had little weird letdown games throughout, throughout the season. But the last time they did, um, I think was the Colts game or the, the Browns game. And that was a couple months ago. Um, actually I can pull it up here. I'm curious here. I I, I got to pull up the uh, the PFF score analysis stuff for pregame for b- before games um, is really helpful, especially for the betting things. Right now, uh, they have Baltimore as a they opened when the line opened at um, three and a half or at yeah three and a half. PFF had it as a four and a half point spread, and they now have it down to a three point seven point favorite. Uh, the market has it as a whole as Baltimore at three. Um, yeah, man, this is this is going to be an interesting game. Um, I'm really excited to watch this game. This game should be standalone. This game should be Sunday night. Um, but I guess New Year's Eve, you want to get as many games done during the day as, as you can because you know that people aren't going to be watching as much. So I guess that makes sense. Um, but yeah, the last time the Ravens lost was that game against Cleveland, which was on November 12th. Um, and since then they have pretty much beat the doors up. They had that, they had the game against the Rams, which was a really, really good game. Uh, oh my God, I forgot. Oh, no, it was preseason. Never mind. Sorry. I just saw commanders beating the Ravens and I was like, wait, what? And that was preseason game. Uh, that ended the perfect streak there for the Ravens preseason stretch. But yeah, they had the letdown game against the Colts in week three. That was weird in overtime. They had the game against Pittsburgh, which is really ugly Lamar game. And then the game against Cleveland, which is another, like ultimately the games that Baltimore struggles in. And this is not new information. This is every single team in the NFL, but when Lamar's turning the ball over and they're playing against team that can really turn up the pressure, like Pittsburgh and Cleveland are two teams that can absolutely get after the quarterback. The reason they blew out the Cleveland in week four (laughs) was because Cleveland was starting DTR and they DTR turned the ball over four or five times in that game, ended up being 28 to three, absolute blowout. But then the second time, when it was Deshaun Watson playing, he took care of the ball a little more. Baltimore was winning by two scores in that game. And then a pick six, I think it was they, uh, uh, Cleveland went down, scored a touchdown. Baltimore got the ball back, and then Lamar threw a pick six. The next thing you know, it's like, boom, holy shit, we have a tie football game here. That's the big difference maker. Right. And so in these big games and Jalen Phillips, wasn't hurt. You know, if he was still playing, you had another edge rusher. I'd probably feel a little bit better about taking Miami. I don't think they're going to be able to heat up Lamar. I think you can actually run on this Dolphins team. We've seen throughout the course of the season that you can run on this Miami team. And I I don't think Lamar has done such a good job of protecting the football this year that I think really the only way that Miami ends up stealing this game is if we see Lamar throw an interception pick six fumbles, big time mistakes like that. Like even the the safety, which wasn't Lamar's fault. It was that stupid uh, official who got in the way. Um, That to me would be a a bigger sign as well. But uh, right now I'm, I'm definitely a favoriting the, uh, the Ravens here. I'm going to take the Ravens minus three and a half and uh, not going to lock it in, but I am going to take that pick. All right. Next up we have the, Texans as a five and a half point favorite hosting the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Houston versus Tennessee. We just saw this game not too long ago. 
but it definitely looked a little bit different as CJ Stroud has cleared protocol. Um, he cleared it pretty early this week too. So he's going to get a full week of practice in, in order to kind of get himself caught up. The Texans are five and a half point favorites in this game. You get Nico Collins back fully healthy. I know he played last week, but he wasn't a hundred game. We are getting a fully healthy Nico Collins. I love the Texans in this game. To me, like this, this game is all about what the Texans have been about all season. And what this te- Texans team has been is they, they win big games in big moments and they do it unexpectedly at times. And the Titans, look, they have nothing to play for necessarily. That hasn't stopped them from trying to play spoiler. We saw them beat um, the Dolphins a couple weeks ago, right? This, this Titans team has hung around, but it's going to be another week of Ryan Tannehill. I, I don't see the text, the Titans continuing this type of success i think houston's pissed off i think they want to try to make the playoffs they know that hey if we win our games there's still a very very good chance that they make the postseason as of right now they're the eight seed and uh after this game they have one more game week 18 against the indianapolis colts to decide and this win goes a long long way essentially if you're the texans you win the next two games and you make the postseason you finish 10 and 7 you make the postseason I think that they do it. I think they win this game. I think they win this game by a couple of touchdowns. Um, We've seen Devin Singletary has quietly become one of the best over the last month, statistically. He's like one of the top three or four running backs in the NFL. They've found a good way to run the football without C.J. Stroud. I expect them to implement some of that into their game plan here, and we're going to see a little bit more of a balanced attack where it's not going to be C.J. Stroud throwing the ball 40 times like we saw earlier in the season. I think they're going to mix it up. I think they're going to run the football and I think the defense, now that they're starting to get a little bit healthier here, Will Anderson coming back, I think the Texans win this game big. Not only do I think they win this big, this game big, this is my lock and third and final lock of the week. I love the Texans in this game because this, if you're a believer in the Texans, then this is what you expect from the Texans. This, like, this game, this game is what the Texans have been all season, right? This is This is what they've been from start to finish. They've been a really dynamic, fun team that has found ways to win over and over and over again. And I believe wholeheartedly that the Houston Texans are going to win this football game. And um, I think they're going to win it by a couple of touchdowns. So I'm taking the Texans minus five and a half as my third lock of the week. Steelers at Seahawks. Seahawks are three and a half point favorite in this one. Scotty's rolling with the Steelers here. The Seahawks were less than impressive in that game against the Titans last week. We just talked about the Titans had been kind of frisky. I feel like this week now, after that last kind of ditch effort for the Titans to kind of show like, hey, we're still around, we're still here. Um, it's going to kind of come a little bit, fall a little bit flat uh, moving forward. And that's a big reason why I'm taking the Texans. The Seahawks come off of a big Monday night win and they eke out a win by three points over the Titans. Three and a half points seems like a really big spread to me. And I think this Steelers team, I don't know. There's there's something about them where they find ways to just kind of sneak in and win. I, I've been a fan of the Seahawks for most of the season. They're definitely not as good as they were last year. The defense definitely has some holes in it. If Mason Rudolph and the George Pickens-Mason Rudolph, you know, connection is as legit as it seemed in that game, which was a four catches for 190-something yards and a touchdown, I really want to take the Steelers. I do. Um, also, you can run on this Seahawks team, and we've seen Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, right, against bad running teams. In the post-Mac Canada era, the Steelers have been committing to that run a little bit more. I think the Steelers win this game. I think they win it outright. I, I don't even think it's a cover situation. I think they win this game. Um, I, I think the big difference here is I think the offensive line for um, – the Seahawks has been banged up all year, and I think this is a big – we say this a lot because almost every game feels this way, but I think it's a big T.J. Watt game. And the defense has really kind of come around as well for the Steelers, and I, I, I like what I saw from Mason Rudolph. Now, do I think that is sustainable with Mason Rudolph? No, <laughs> but I think it's good enough that he can win this game outright, and I think they will. So I'm taking the Steelers plus three and a half in this one. Chargers at Broncos. Broncos are three and a half point favorite here. They are benching Russell Wilson. Um, that story came out and uh, and definitely shocked 
shock some people. Um, you know, I, I want to give credit to Russell Wilson. I do, but you know what? I still kind of feel vindicated. Like it's veto squad. So veto of course was finding every justification for the Russell Wilson stuff, right? Like he's being efficient. He's not turning the ball over. He's doing the right things at the right time. All this stuff. He is looks, he's looked pretty good doing it. Like full, full disclosure. He has looked decent at times. But there's no question that I think Russ's ego and the way he's always played the game is clashing with Sean Payton. I, I think they're going to end up trying to eat that cap hit next year, which I don't know how they're even going to be able to do and still field a team. But Jarrett Stidham's going to be the starting quarterback in this game. And yet they're still a three and a half point favorite. Easton Stick had his new quarterback game last week. I think Jarrett Stidham has his new quarterback game this week. So I'm going to take the Broncos minus three and a half. This, I mean, this is a game that's just, I have no idea, none whatsoever. But if it's true that the team and the culture, everyone's kind of sick of the Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson shtick and all the bullshit surrounding that, this would be a big time like, oh, it's like almost when you fire a head coach and everyone's like, thank God we don't have to deal with this guy anymore. I think Jarrett Stidham plays pretty well in this game, and I think the Broncos win it. The Chargers gave their new coach effort against the Bills, came up a little flat. I don't think we're going to see that two weeks in a row. I'm going to take the Broncos minus three and a half. All right, next up, two more games in the NFL. Bengals at Chiefs. Scotty's rolling with the Chiefs on this one. I don't know how anyone can want to roll with the Chiefs after what we've seen from this team. Um, the pass rush for the for the uh the Raiders just absolutely destroyed the offensive line. The defense where the Chiefs played really, really great. Uh, that statistic, right, where it was like um, Aiden O'Connell's last completed pass was with two minutes left in the first quarter. Um, pretty insane. <clears throat> Objectively insane. The Bengals have some pretty good pass rushers. Now, no DJ Reader. That's a big loss, right? But they still have Trey Hendrickson. They still have Sam Hubbard. They still have some guys who can get after the quarterback. And the Bengals are coming off an absolute ass-kicking. I think the Bengals, who had looked really good defensively, were almost shocked by what happened in that Mason Rudolph game. I think it was just they were hitting them in the mouth, and the Bengals just got stunned. And I think the Bengals come back and play pretty strong in this game. I'm, I'm hesitant because it is the Chiefs. But the Chiefs feel like, should they be a seven-point favorite against anybody? You know, and say we go about Jake Browning, but Jake Browning's played pretty well against some good defenses. I I feel like this game's going to be low scoring. I, I let me look because I think my favorite bet to make in this game would be the under. Uh, yeah, it's set at forty three and a half. I I like the under in this game more than I like anything else. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and roll with the Bengals to cover this. Uh, the Bengals are playing for their play, fighting for their playoff lives. The Chiefs technically are as well, right? The Chiefs are not. Like, are they're not in the playoffs yet, technically. They're sitting at nine and six. I think this is a close game. I think the Chiefs won it by, like, a field goal. I think the Chiefs and the Eagles are both um, – Chiefs and the Eagles are both in kind of similar spots where it just kind of feels like there's just something off. And right now the the offensive game plan for the Chiefs is, is bad. I mean, they scored one touchdown in that game last week. And the rest of it, I mean uh, – they gave up two touchdowns. They gave up more touchdowns on offense than they scored, which is never a good sign. Obviously, I don't think that happens two games in a row. But I do like the the Bengals' defense. I, I I understand they got lit up by Mason Rudolph, but you know weird shit like that happens in the NFL. And and I still think they're good enough to uh, to hang in with this Chiefs team. And obviously, there's some bad blood. And, and the Chiefs are at home, but seven points seems like a lot. So I'm going to take the points with the Bengals on this one even though there is a chance that the Chiefs like, hey, this is our get-right game right before the playoffs, and the Chiefs go on their run. Like, that thought's still in the back of every football fan's mind because it's Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs. It's what we've seen them do for the last five years. Um, but I like the Bengals. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll Cincinnati here. Uh, last game, Packers at Vikings. Vikings are a two-point favorite in this game at home. I kind of like watching Nick Mullins play football. It's chaotic and he turns the ball over a ton, but he can throw the ball around. And this Vikings team played pretty damn well against the, the, the Lions last week and damn near won that football game. 
the Packers almost lost to the Panthers. Um, to me, I think the Vikings are clearly the better team. And I think Kevin O'Connell's done a really, really good job here. Uh, we'll see. Ultimately, this is a bet that I think the Vikings offense, even without TJ Hawkinson or Jordan Addison, they still have Justin Jefferson, and that's kind of all you need. And you're going up against Joel Barry's defense, Joe Barry's defense. Um, so I'm I'm going to roll with Minnesota here as a two-point favorite. This is uh, – it's a tight line, um, but I think the Vikings are, are, are the better football team. I really do. So I'm going to roll with the Vikings. Scotty's taking the uh, the Packers. And uh, real quick, let me pull out my notes. So we uh, – I, I took the stuff I had from the notebook – and like my notes and Scotty made a full spreadsheet. So now we have a full record tracker with uh, we compared stuff from my notes and the stuff from Scotty's because both were a little bit incomplete and then we combined them. So now we have our full official standings heading into the last two weeks of the season. And uh, as I said before, we we're doing it points based this year. Um, so because of that, it's a way to basically factor in the pushes to get some sort of credit for the push 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 gets half a point. Uh, it's not just straight win percentage uh, though. Based off of win percentage right now, we all are at exactly or over 500 um, Scotty's record in third place right now, 24, 22 and two on the locks, 24, 22 and two. It gives him an official winning percentage of 500. Um, but from a points perspective, it puts him at 25 points. Uh, in second place right now uh, is Vito uh, in the points category. Uh, he is winning right now and win percentage, though. He's at a uh, 0.533 win percentage. Um, but his points are at 26 and a half points with a record of 24, 16 and five Five pushes could end up being a big difference maker. And then I am sitting in first place points wise, but I'm a little bit behind Vito in the win percentage column. Uh, but that has to do with Vito is right now three games, full games behind me and Scotty. So we told Vito he can, we, we're not going to make him do all three, make up all three games in week 17, like we originally said, because we were off on the math a little bit. So, he can do two this week, two extra ones. So he'll do five locks this week and then four locks in week 18. And that will get him fully caught up by the end of the season. Um, but because of that, he has the edge on me win percentage wise. But I am sitting at 25, 19 and four with a total point value of 27. So the point standings right now, I'm in first with 27. Vito is in second with 26 and a half and Scotty at 25. It is still anybody's game as we approach the end of the regular season uh, and our overall win loss records. Uh, we haven't fully updated them uh, from where actually, no, we do have the win losses fully updated. So I'll do that now. Uh, right now, Vito is sitting at 84, 84 and 11 on the season sitting exactly at 500 win loss wise uh the you know the the ties count against your win loss record in uh excel so if we put them into like an online tracker it wouldn't affect it he would be right at 500 uh scotty in second place 103 91 and 14 and then me i'm sitting in first place right now with a total record of a 124 115 <laughs> 15 pushes so far this NFL season, which I don't know what the record is, but that, that has to be pretty high on the, uh, on the overall record. So that's where we stand right now uh, with our NFL picks and our competition here for the season. And before we wrap up the pod, we will put in our picks for the college football playoff semifinals. Up first, we have Alabama and Michigan. Michigan is a one and a half point favorite. And then we have Texas against Washington. Texas is a, Four-point favorite against the Huskies. Alabama-Michigan. This game is going to be kind of interesting. I think most of the money is going to come in on Alabama. In the trenches, before some of the injuries to Michigan's offensive line, I would have said Michigan has the advantage. I think they're pretty even right now. I actually think Alabama's defensive line is a little bit better. And then Jalen Milrose versus J.J. McCarthy. 
I mean, I've not been a big JJ McCarthy fan throughout his whole career. I understand some of the some of the the talent that he has. Uh, he's obviously a good runner. He can extend plays with his legs. I for, I'll just say this right now before we talk about both games. I have no fucking clue. I really don't. I've never been this unsure of a college football playoff ever. Like I I really am um, kind of stumped. And it's fun. It's exciting. It, it's a really really fun time of year. Uh, and it's fun to have a college football playoff where we really have no idea any four of these teams could win, and and I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but I do think Alabama is the the experience level of Alabama and and that coaching staff and Nick Saban I think weighs a lot on this game. Now Jalen Milrose has been from the beginning of the year to getting benched to then eventually ending up being the full time starter and and coming up with big plays down the stretch. I think has improved mightily. And he's been incredibly impressive. That Georgia game, I thought, was you know as good of a game as you can play. I think Georgia's defense is better than Michigan's. The question here is, can Michigan bully Alabama in the trenches and, and bully them on the ground? And I just, I don't know if they can. I, I I wouldn't be shocked if they did. Like, I because Blake Corum's really really good. They have a really good backfield. They have a good offensive line now. But I think Alabama knows that if they're going to win this game, um they have to stop the run. And if they lose by J.J. McCarthy beating them over the top, then they lose. But I think some of the strengths of Alabama's defense lie in the secondary. You know, they they were young, especially at the safety position coming in. They had a couple of five stars back there. But Kool-Aid McKinnistry has come along as, as one of the top cornerback prospects coming out of the draft, probably a day two pick, second round. Um, could be a late first round pick. But I think that's where Alabama has the advantage is in the secondary. And so I think they're going to load up to try to stop the run. So I'm going to take Alabama here. I, I know it's not everyone wants to be done with Alabama, right? But this is this is what Nick Saban does, man. And and Alabama's a really good football team. So um I think it's gonna be a really, really fun game. But I like Bama right now as a one and a half point underdog. And uh and because they're an underdog too, Saban gets to use every single card. You know, every play in the playbook, man, just to go, they don't believe in you emotion, you know, the emotional playbook, right? They don't believe in you, you're underdogs. They everyone thinks Michigan's better, the whole world's out against you. And that stuff works. Like, say what you will, but that's like what Kirby Smart has done with Georgia, you know, the last few years. And like when Georgia didn't lose a game for two years, Kirby Smart was still saying nobody believes in you and the team bought in. And Kirby Smart learned that from Nick Saban. And, uh, and I think we're going to see more of that in this game. And I think Bama moves their way to the national title game. And then that is followed up with Texas as a four-point favorite against Washington. And I actually, I really like both of these teams. Like, I don't want to necessarily root against one or the other. Um, I think on paper, Texas, their offensive line, defensive line are better. Um, we, we've seen Quinn Ewers play some really good football this year. I think they're better at the running back position. They have a very good wide receiver room, not as good as Washington's, um, but they do. And the, the Texas defense to me is, is the big question mark in this game because I think Texas is going to be able to score points against Washington. Uh, they've, they've proven to be able to do that, you know, against most teams throughout this entire season. And Washington's defense has had some lapses, right? They've played in some nail biters and some close, low scoring games where the defense showed out and the offense didn't. But I think Texas is going to be able to move the ball a little bit in this game. I don't think they're going to put up 45 points, but I think they can move the ball pretty consistently. So the question to me is, can Texas's defense show up? Because if Texas's defense shows up, then I think Washington's going to be in a little bit of trouble in this game. The one reason, and the reason I'm going to pick the team I'm going to pick, and this is important because we're talking about college kids, Right experience matters. The belief in yourself matters. And no team has more belief in themselves in close games, in big games than Washington. Not, not a single team in the country has as much belief because this entire season they've played nail biters. They played close games. They played down to competition. They played up to competition and they've beaten everybody along the way. And sometimes in blowouts and sometimes in, you know, nail biters at the end of the game, this team has that experience and the deep down belief that they will be able to beat any team that's in front of them, no matter what the style of play it is, whether it's a, a 17 to, to, to 14 nail biter, grounded out, turnovers, ugly football game. Washington's won games that way this year, whether it's absolute shootouts between them and Oregon, the other best team, it's the same thing on both sides. And, and I 
look at Washington and I say, this is a team that has that full hearted, absolute total belief in themselves that they can win big, close clutch football games. And Michael Penix has proven to deliver time after time this entire season. And not to say that Texas hasn't won big games. They haven't had to win any close games this year. You know, the, the, the game they lost against Oklahoma, they got stomped by Oklahoma, right? The rest of the season, it was like, yeah, the Bama game, they won that game pretty handily. Like, they they beat Alabama without having, not to say trying hard, but like, they controlled that game. They haven't had these nail-biting games. And I think what we're going to have with Texas and Washington is a really, really fun, awesome football game. And I think the experience and the belief that they know that, hey, we can win no matter what style of play is. We can win in a dogfight. We can win in a shootout. We can win in so many different ways. I think favors Washington. So I'm going to take the Huskies to win here as the underdogs to Texas. And I, you know, again, I actually, I like both of these teams a lot. And if it's Bama, Texas as a rematch, I'll be happy. If it's Michigan, Washington, I'll be happy. If it's Michigan, Texas, any combination of these four teams, I'm excited for, but my gut tells me in addition to, you know, some other football aspects and everything as well, I think Washington and Alabama end up being the two best teams. And I think they end up playing in the national championship. So um, we're waiting on Vito's picks to come in. They will be in by the time kickoff starts and we're going to have a great weekend of football. Uh, I can't wait for it. I hope everybody out there has a very happy and safe new year. You know, like Chris Berman, let us be among the first to wish you happy new year. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, enjoy it. Happy new year. Love all of you guys. Another year of the read option um, going on to almost year number four, which is crazy. Um, but we're having fun doing it and we appreciate you guys coming along for the ride. Everyone enjoy the holiday. Enjoy the time with family or friends, wherever you're celebrating. And we will talk to you guys next week to recap a ton of football. We might wait until Tuesday to record. Depends on how the schedules work out. We might record before the college football playoffs. So we'll get some of the reactions to that at some point next week. But be ready. And of course, we'll break down all the NFL actions on Monday. So uh, until then, everyone have a wonderful hop holiday. Happy New Year. And as always, take it easy, everybody.